You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Just open your Bibles. Just open them anywhere. Just get ready to go because we're going to fly through the scriptures here this evening as we continue our study on the family. Now we started out on the first night. What was the lesson on the first night? Well, I'm glad you got that one down. Okay. It was about the husbands, all right, and their responsibility. And then the next week was the? Okay, that's logical. Uh, next week was the wives. And then we learned how to raise a, how to raise a spoiled brat. And uh, then we talked about how to use how to use the rod of correction effectively. Uh, last week we talked about authority, what the Bible teaches about authority and the benefits of getting under authority. Now, tonight, if I can get this to work here, guys, all right. We're going to study how to turn the heart of a rebel. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about how to deal with a fool. And then the following week, we're going to talk about how to deal with a scorner. There's a difference between a fool and between a scorner. And the Bible gives us different methods on dealing with both of those kind of individuals. But tonight, we're going to talk about a rebel. You know, the Bible talks a lot about rebellion you know that? I think you all heard this verse before. The Bible says, for rebellion is as the sin of what? Think about that. If you are in a state of rebellion against authority tonight, you are in the same condition of a witch. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? So rebellion is a very, very serious sin in the eyes of the Lord, as bad as witchcraft Itself For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And of course, that leads to someone just being stubborn in their spirit. Stubbornness is as iniquity. Now, what is iniquity? It's gross immorality. It's injustice. It's wickedness. Iniquity is knowing what to do. You know what is right, but what? You go ahead and do it anyway. That's iniquity. It's iniquitous. To do that. So rebellion is in the heart of someone who knows what to do, but they just simply do not do it. For rebellion is as the sin of what? Witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity. And then it throws in another. What? Idolatry. Why does it throw in idolatry? Because rebellion is nothing more than the worship of oneself. The worship of oneself. I'm going to do what I want to do. You ever heard someone say, you know, I don't mind if you're my parent. I just don't want you to tell me what to do. That doesn't fly. All right. So this is, uh, this is the uh, heart of a rebel. It is my life. It's what? My choices. It's my mistakes. It's my lessons. And it's not your business. Well, I want to tell you something. If we're parents, it is our business. It is our parents, our business to be involved in our children's lives. 
Now, here is a verse that we often hear quoted, especially when we have a wayward child. And the verse is this. I think you know it. Say the verse with me. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is, he will not. All right, let me ask you a question. Is that an absolute promise of Scripture? How many say it's an absolute promise of Scripture? I disagree. I think this is a general principle of Scripture. And I think that's what we find when we go through the book of Proverbs. For example, Proverbs 15.1, we could give a lot of examples and eat up a lot of time tonight. Proverbs 15.1 says a soft answer, what? Does a soft answer always turn away wrath? But generally it does. Generally, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So do you think that that is a blanket, 100% for sure statement, or do you think that there have been children who have been raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but never did come back to God? Absolutely. And we give examples of that. So, this is what I want to say tonight. I want to preface everything I say by this statement. There are no guarantees. How do you turn the heart of a rebel? No guarantees, because it's their heart that needs to be turned. I cannot change a person's heart. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, and seriously, no matter how hard I pray, I cannot change an individual's heart. You know why that is? Because we all have free will. And so there's no guarantees. However... The Lord does give us some tools that if we employ those tools, there's a very good chance that we will see rebels turn their heart back to the Lord. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 through verse 4, through what? Wisdom. Boy, do we need wisdom. Do we ever need wisdom in raising kids? I said to Matt when he walked in tonight, I said, boy, it was a whole lot easier being a parent when they were that big. Give me an amen. Amen. Whole lot easier. Parenting never stops. Even once your kids are grown and out of the home, it never stops. Once you're a parent, you will always be a parent, and you need wisdom in speaking into the lives of even your grown children and then, of course, your grandchildren. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by what? Understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all uh, precious and pleasant riches. And that's obviously what I want in my family, and I want that for your family too. So we need God's wisdom, we need God's understanding, and we need his knowledge. And so that's what we are going to receive tonight as we go through this lesson. This, This comes from the Lord. This does not come from any other source but his word. This statement was made, I don't know who made this statement, but I like it. Give me wisdom, speaking to the Lord, give me wisdom to know what must be done and courage to do it. Now, I want all you to look here. I'm going to share with you some things that have to be done if God's going to use us as parents and grandparents to turn the hearts of a wayward child back to the Lord. But we have to have the courage, we have to have the determination to do it. Because some of the things that I'm going to share with you tonight are not easy. You will actually have others that will oppose you in doing what God tells you has to be done 
if the heart of a rebel is going to be broken and turned back to the Lord. We want to start right from the very beginning here. Keeping the hearts of your children. I believe that this is the key to raising godly kids, is keeping their heart. And the reason I say that, if we were to go through the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, my son, give me thine heart. Chapter 2, my son. Chapter 3, my son. Chapter 4, my son. Chapter 5, my son. Chapter 6, my son. Chapter 7, my son. Solomon is begging, begging his son to give his heart to him. So obviously Solomon's son was what? Giving his heart elsewhere. And so Solomon is begging for his son to give his heart back to him. Why? Because that's the key to raising godly children. There are four big dangers that the Bible speaks of when it comes to the heart. It comes to that inward man, that inward woman. There's four huge dangers. Number one is the heart can be what? Lost. The heart can be lost. Yes, it is frustrating raising children. It is aggravating raising children. Sometimes raising children can downright make you mad. Amen? Get honest. But we have to be very careful because the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord uh, in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. But then it finishes by saying, Fathers, and of course we could throw mothers in there too, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be... Discourage, the word literally means you, you they lose heart. When you're discouraged, you just want to give up. You lose heart. No matter what I do, I can't please my parents. Why even try anymore? And so their heart is turned away. The heart can be lost. Number two, the heart can be drawn away. The heart can be lost. The heart can be drawn away. The Bible says, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things. Now notice this last statement, to draw away disciples after them. Are there a lot of things that would draw the hearts of our children away from us? Most, most of those things are peers. Evil friendships corrupt good morals. The Bible says, make sure who your friends are. For your friends are not only your friends, but they're your father's friends too. If they're not friends of your father's, they ought not to be friends that you have. The father should always approve of the friendships. The Bible says, my son, if sinners entice thee, what? Consent thou not. Walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their paths. For their feet run to what? To evil. The heart can be drawn away. The heart can be lost. By anger, we can drive the hearts of our children away from us. And listen to me. One, one, one thing that aggravates me is when a teenager will tell me, well, my mom and dad got mad at me. What mom and dad doesn't get mad at their children once in a while? What husband doesn't get mad at his wife? What wife doesn't get mad at her husband? Now, if you've never gotten mad or angry with your children, then here you go. You come teach this lesson. But what we're talking about is a constant state of anger. Someone who's just angry all the time. Not someone who once in a while gets angry and then has to go and confess and ask forgiveness. We all get angry from time to time. 
So listen to me, teenagers. There's, there's one thing that gets me mad. It's when people play the victim card. You know what I'm talking about there? It's always someone else's fault. They did this or they did that. And that's... Suck it up. Take responsibility for your own actions and attitudes. You're not going to stand before God and play the blame game. Every one of us will give an account of himself to God. The heart can be drawn away. Number three, the heart can be stolen. Have you ever seen a young lady steal a young man's heart? Have you ever seen a young man steal a young lady's heart? The heart can be lost. The heart can be drawn away. The heart can also be stolen. The heart's a pretty fragile thing, isn't it? I'm going to talk about Absalom here for just a moment. Who was Absalom? Someone tell me. David's son. Okay. Now, David was a man who had a heart after God. Godliest king of Israel. Yeah, he made some mistakes. But notice what it says about Absalom here. Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I... See, this is that worship of self. Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath a suit or cause might come unto me. Ever notice something about a rebel? They think they're the smartest person in all the world and no one else knows anything? And I would do him justice. I mean, I would settle this properly. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do obeisance or to show respect to him because he was the king's son, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. I'm not going to kiss you, Joe. (laughs) Took forth his hand and, you know, there was that, I'm concerned about you. What can I do for you that my dad did not do? Boy, has my dad ever made a lot of mistakes. If If I was king, I'd run this kingdom a whole lot differently. The splitting of the kingdom here is kind of like church splits happen once in a while. Let's see what else goes on here. He put forth his hand, and he took him, and he kissed him. And on thus, uh, this uh, manner did Solomon to all uh, Israel that came to the king for judgment. So as they were coming to the king, who would step in and intersect? Absalom. Hey, come, come over here. Tell me what your problem is. My dad's too busy for you. And Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. How do you steal someone's heart? By telling them exactly what they want to hear. I want to tell you something. I'm glad my daddy didn't tell me everything I wanted to hear, but he told me what I needed to hear. So here's Absalom. The people are coming to him. Of course, he brings up his father. He talks about his father in a poor light. Gives the men of Israel what they want, and he steals their hearts, and he steals the kingdom. Drives his father from the throne. Grows his hair long. Isn't that interesting that he grows his hair long? 
Isn't that not a sign of rebellion against God? Because Bible said it's a shame for a man to have long hair. So he grows his hair long in rebellion. So one day he's out riding on his horse with his beautiful golden locks flowing behind him. And isn't this just like the Lord? And as he's going underneath an oak tree, the branches grab his long flowing hair and the horse jerks him off and he's hanging there by his hair from this oak tree. And along comes Joab. Joab was the captain of David's army. And Joab goes up and he launches three spears through the heart of Absalom. And if we were going to go to the very next verse in verse 15, it would tell you this, that ten other men surrounded Absalom after three spears had gone through his heart and they mutilated his body. When the word was brought to David, as only a father would do. Now, remember, Absalom had driven David from the throne, had taken the kingship of Israel by stealing the men's hearts. But when David hears that his son is dead, and the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son my son Absalom, would God that I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. I want to tell you something. There is nothing, you listen to me, young people, there is nothing that will break the heart of your parents more than seeing you walk away from God and live a sinful, rebellious life as a wayward son or daughter. It is true there is no greater joy than to see our children walk in truth. As John said, but there is no greater heartache and pain than to see our children forsake the Lord and start to play the rebel. So the heart can be what? Heart can be, the heart can be, what? Drawn away, the heart can, stolen, and the heart can also then become hardened. How many have ever met someone with a hardened heart? Can I tell you something? No amount of preaching, lecturing will ever break through that heart. Bible said, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest, not when, but lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. When sin hardens the heart, I'm telling you something, only God can break that hard heart. And you listen to me, many times God will employ some very severe methods, because whosoever the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, to break that heart. Happy is the man that feareth alway, but he that hardeneth his heart, not may. What's the word? Shall. What? Shall. 
everyone, what? Shall. Shall fall into mischief. That word mischief means trouble. If you're going to harden your heart towards the things of the Lord, I guarantee you on the authority of God's word, you will bring trouble upon yourself. So we need to seek to understand, the Bible tells us not to provoke our children to wrath. So we need to understand what is it that may provoke our sons or our daughters and cause them to be angry and to lose heart and become discouraged. There's some things that, that we can do. First of all is by comparing them with others. That's very damaging. Very damaging. It's just like a wife. How many of you wives want to be compared with your husband's mother? I don't think so. Well, mom used to make it this way. Mom's tasted a whole lot better than this. That really doesn't go over very well. But we use this as a control tactic. Well, I'll control them by comparing them with others, and maybe they'll shape up. That does not work. Next one is by making them feel worthless or inferior. Speaking down to them. Next is by constant criticism. Once in a while, you have to criticize. But we're talking about just a constant state of criticism or a constant state of being angry just all the time. By demanding perfection. None of us are perfect. There's always things we can improve on, but demanding them to be perfect. Next is by having too high of expectations. By not communicating enough with them. I mean, just expecting them to know, but really not communicating like you should. Another one is by spending too much time at work or outside interest or personal hobbies or on and on we could go. Just the absentee father, the absentee mother. So all these things, and we could go through list after list after list of things that could cause our children to lose heart and to turn their heart away from us. So the most important ingredient needed in raising godly kids is to keep their heart. My son, give me thine heart. And that's repeated throughout the book of Proverbs. Malachi says this, and he, he being a prophecy concerning John the Baptist, which we'll look at in just a minute, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the what? Children. So the fathers are turning their hearts to their children. Is it possible for a father to turn his heart to his child, but that child refused to turn his heart to the father? Yeah. Because we all control our hearts. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, I don't know about you. I think we've been cursed as a nation. Our families are cursed. What an awesome privilege, you young people, and most of your teenagers here, because the kids are over in the other room, you teenagers here tonight have to be raised under godly parents. What a privilege. What a privilege. 
I've had so many say to me, Pastor, if I would have just had known these things when I was a young man, or if I'd only known this when I was a young woman, the years of heartache, it would have saved me. And yet we have children that have grown up here in the church, have grown up under our ministry, but have played the fool. What a blessing you children have to be raised in godly homes, parents that love you and care about you. Here's the John the Baptist. And he, John the Baptist, prophecy of Malachi, and he shall uh, go before him, which was the Lord Jesus in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient, the disobedient referring to the children here, to the wisdom of the just, which should be parents and grandparents, to make ready a people prepared, what? For the Lord. So if our children are going to be prepared to do anything for the Lord in their lives, we have to have a good relationship at home. Parents, we have to turn our hearts towards our children. By God's grace, our children would turn their hearts back to us. I'm telling you, of course, those of you who may not know, I got 10 kids now, and I have 20 grandchildren. And I thank the Lord, a vast majority of my children have given their hearts to me. And what a blessing it is to have your children's heart. But I'll tell you this. When you don't have a child's heart, what a burden that you carry. If you do not have the heart of your child, then I would suggest that you quickly. Have you, have you noticed little children will just automatically give mom and dad their heart? Right? You see the kids in the church. How do they respond to pastor? Come on now, how do they respond to me? They just run up and they throw their arms around me and they hug me and they love me and, and they give me valentines. They give me marshmallows. They share their Tootsie Rolls with me. They write me notes. Oh, I get all kinds of love notes on Sunday from the little girls of our church. I don't dare show them to my wife. She might get jealous. But the, the, the little kids of the church, they absolutely love their preacher. But then they grow up. And they enter into those teen years. Those precious teen years. And some of them still love me, but some of them run from me when they see me coming. If you lose the heart of your son and daughter... Quickly find out where and when you lost it. And maybe you don't even know and you have to ask them. Honey, when did I lose your heart? What did I do? And then put a plan in action on how you can then take that heart back. Um, You might not agree with me. But I don't believe that rebellion is normal. I believe it's abnormal. I believe it's sin. I believe normal is to give our hearts to one another within our families. I think normal is to give our hearts to one another within the church. So I don't, I don't want to say, well, this is just normal when your kids get into their early teens and throughout their teen years, and that 
you're just got to expect them to be rebellious. No. I think this is one of Satan's greatest lies to parents because if you think, well, my children, that's just how they are. They're just going to go in those teenage years and they're just going to, they're just going to rebel, then that's what we expect out of them. Since rebellion is normal, Satan says to you, then you know what? You really don't need to deal with it. It's just normal. It's just a phase. They go through it and they'll come out of it. No, when our children are rebellious, we have a responsibility before God to deal with it. Lord, give me the wisdom and give me the courage to deal with it. Rebellion is sin. There is no justification biblically for rebellion. It is sin. And when you rebel, young people, when you rebel, you expose yourselves to the realm, power, and control of the enemy himself, Satan. You have to understand this. He'll try to convince you, no, you're just doing your own thing. You're just living your own life. You're just being your own boss. But no, you have fallen into his trap. We um, kind of went through a diagram similar to this. I made another one for tonight. But here we have our parents that operate as a protection over our lives, like an umbrella protects us from the rain. We have Satan up here, the roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. As young people get out from under that authority, Satan is free to attack them. As long as they're here, they're protected. Your parents become your shield and your protection. But as soon as you get out here, he, he can attack. Well, I'm going the wrong direction. Let's say this verse together. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh round about, seeking whom he may devour. So he walks about. Who's out, who's out from under authority? Who's unprotected? Who can I attack? I like watching nature shows. Do you like watching nature shows? I love watching nature shows. One thing I love about watching nature shows is when they talk about how these creatures are perfectly designed. And then they say they evolved. And I'm going, which one is it? Are they designed or did they evolve? Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. God nailed it. But you'll see that, uh, you know, as long uh, as, long as the, those Cape Buffalo and Africa, you ever see how they protect their young? And how as long as the young stay by the mother, those lions don't have, I mean, she turns mean. And she will actually gore and she will kill those lions. But if that little calf gets separated, it's all over. Right? It's all over. 
And that, young people, is exactly what Satan is trying to do as the roaring lion. He's trying to get you separated outside of God-given protection. And no matter how many times I teach this and try to even instill that in my children, Satan is so slick, so deceptive, that he convinces you, no, preacher doesn't know what he's talking about, your parents don't know what they're talking about. Well, we do. So here are some steps needed if the heart of a rebel is going to be turned around. Parents must first acknowledge to God and then also to their children that they have lost their heart and sincerely seek forgiveness. Not only from the Lord, that's the easy part, but also from your children. No, I lost your heart, son. Honey, I lost your heart. I was wrong. I did this, I did that, and I, I can see how that drove you away. Will you please forgive me? I was wrong. Parents must examine their own lives. When you're trying to get the heart of your son and daughter back, you have to examine your own lives. Make sure that you're dedicated to God, that you're walking in fellowship with the Lord. Parents that have sin in their own lives will find it difficult, if not impossible, to deal with sin in the lives of their children. You've lost your power. You've lost your authority. You've lost your right to speak into their lives. So these are three steps that are very, very crucial, very important. Rebellious children must be separated from negative influences. I'm here to tell you, they will fight you tooth and nail. Depending upon how deep the rebellion has gone. But they will fight you from separating them from the negative influences that have encouraged their rebellion. Friends... As I talked before, it's a big factor. To a teenager, friends are like the most important thing in the world. But can I tell you something? I can hardly remember the guys I played basketball with. I think of Bobby and Craig. And you know what? That's about it. But they were the most important thing to me. We played basketball together from 6th grade right up through 12th grade. Same starting team we had in 6th grade we had when I was a senior. Same starting team. I can't remember these guys. This would include boyfriends, this would include girlfriends, as well as family members that are not in agreement with the parents and their spiritual objectives. Lord, give us courage to follow through with the wisdom that you're giving us. Satan will keep ground in a rebel's life if there is anything left that he can hold on to. He doesn't let go easily. Are you all with me tonight? You're not going to let go. He's going to hang on to whatever has not been removed from that person's life. Let me just throw you a list of things up here. You know what? I can't even keep up with it. 
television, radio, worldly music, CDs, iPods, iPads, magazines, cars. cell phones. I told you, once a month we have a pastor's meeting here. We always meet up at Cracker Barrel and pastors get together around a round table and we, uh, we try to encourage each other in the Lord. Sometimes, I'm serious, sometimes we're just all discouraged. And one time it was thrown out about cell phones. And social media. That has become a huge issue with our young people. I said to someone just the other day, they couldn't understand why we didn't let one of our children have a cell phone who's still under authority. They just couldn't understand it. And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, as I grew up, would it, would, it, would it have been okay for my parents to allow me to have Playboy magazines all over my uh, bedroom, just accessible and lying there? And you know what they said? Well, of course not. I said, that little device right there gives you connection immediately to hundreds of thousands of images of pornography. Ben and I were talking about that today. I don't know of a young man who has a cell phone that's not locked down that has not been exposed to pornography. We now live in a porn nation. Computers, internet access. My wife and I were headed home from church a couple Sundays ago, and she said, you know, it's like our kids don't even have a chance. It used to be, and I don't think I'm wrong in this, when I was a teen, you had to go out looking for it, and now it comes looking for you. Social media. Our young people need lots of love, but I'll tell you what they don't need is lots of trust. Can I tell you something? We shouldn't even trust ourselves. I was counseling with a teenager here not too long ago, and I said, well, how can your parents be better parents? He said, they could trust me. Really? Trust broken has to be earned. You cannot lie to your parents, deceive your parents, go behind your parents' back, get involved in all kinds of iniquitous junk, and expect your parents to have any kind of trust in you at all.
everything bad? (laughs) Everything bad needs to be replaced with good. Biblical principle, right? If we're going to remove the bad, then we need to replace it with the good. Say this verse with me. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. What kind of heart? Pure heart. Young people, you find those other young people that have a pure heart and you hang around them. Parents must earnestly pray that God would bind dynamic powers that may be influencing their children. I want to tell you something, I can't wait till Satan is bound and cast into this old bottomless pit. But the Bible does say that even in this day he can be bound. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. I'm nothing better than to spoil what Satan's doing. And so let's ask God to bind, I mean, let's hammer the throne, that God would bind the powers of Satan and his demons in our children's lives. This is warfare. Amen? This is warfare, and this war is worth fighting. Just tell the devil, this means war, buddy. I'm going to put on the whole armor of God against you. Parents must not follow their natural inclinations, and that's to push away their child instead of draw close to their child. The easiest thing to do when your children start to rebel against you is to push them away. But that's when they need you to draw closer to them. Now, they may not respond to that. Remember, there's no guarantees. They may not respond to that, but that's what God is asking you to do. And this, this goes back to the story of David and Absalom. When Absalom started to rebel, David kept him at arm's length. I think it was two years. Two years, he didn't even talk to him. So what did that do? That caused the rebellion in Absalom to go even deeper. Parents need to spend a lot of time with rebellious children, talking to them, working with them, teaching them, playing with them, praying with them, studying with them, sharing scripture with them. Again, no guarantees that they're going to respond, but this is what God has asked you to do. For those of you who weren't here, last week I talked about when I was um, 16 years of age. A young man brought alcohol to my home, stayed with me for the day. First time alcohol had ever touched my lips, I got drunk, took my dad's car, I wrecked my dad's car, almost lost our lives in that accident, and my dad grounded me for one year. One year to the day. I didn't do anything, I didn't go anywhere unless I was with my dad. So from the age of 16 to 17, I was on lockdown with my dad. If I was going to have any fun, it was going fishing with my dad. 
was going hunting with my dad. And I thought for sure my dad would let me. He kept me to the very day. One year. Best year of my life. I really respect my father now for doing that. I didn't go to summer camp. I mean, I was on lockdown. Child must be continually praised, even for the smallest display of a character trait. Sometimes it's hard because you only see the rebellion. But children need a lot of praise, personal praise, to praise them publicly. If I praise my son personally, that's a one-on-one praise. If I praise him in front of ten people, that's ten times as much praise. Remember how we talked about there needs to be ten-part praise for one-part correction. Praise, praise, praise. When we're trying to keep their heart. Again, whether they will give their hearts to you or not, that's, that's up to them. Parents must continually humble themselves and ask their child's forgiveness when God brings failure to light. We're not perfect parents, right? We made a lot of mistakes. We all have. I always tell people I preach more from failure than I do from success. We didn't have to amen that. (laughs) First amen I ever got from Matt was right there. So important to say it this way, I was wrong for. Wrong. Not I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? We have to do that with our children. Apologizing for our anger, for our criticism, for our neglect, for our inconsistencies, for our failure to communicate with them, for just our lack of love, for not giving the praise and appreciation that we should, and on and on we could go. Parents must be ready to help a child deal with bitterness. Beware lest a root of bitterness spring up in you and trouble you, and thereby what? Defile many others. So we have to help our children come to forgiveness. Parents must be willing to accept and forgive their child, um, not holding bitterness against them. Um, Because when a child really starts to get right with the Lord and starts bringing um, things out, um, sometimes the disclosures that you find out about them can be shocking. I'm telling you, I know. I've raised 10 kids. can be shocking. I won't be honest. It can be traumatizing. As you think, I cannot believe that my son or daughter was involved in that. I just, just like someone tear your heart out and stomp all over it. But we need to forgive them. Amen? No matter what they do and have done, we need to forgive them. Otherwise, they can be swallowed up with much sorrow. Isn't it? 
wonderful that we have God's unconditional forgiveness. We are to forgive as he has forgiven us. Parents must be committed to following God's principles and refuse to yield to pressure. Rebellious children will pressure you to back off. They'll try to manipulate you because they don't like what you're doing. Don't be pressured into backing off. Give me the courage to follow through, Lord. The wisdom to do it and the courage to follow through. Pressure from your personal friends. Sometimes friends will say, oh, you're, being, you're going overboard here. You can even get pressure from your church members. Sometimes you can get pressure from your relatives, even grandparents, because their precious grandchildren never do anything wrong. Uh, Not mine, anyway. (laughs) So don't give in to pressure. Nope. God's given me the wisdom. And seriously, church family, we're getting the wisdom tonight. May God give us the courage to follow through with it. Parents must be committed to long-range change, not a quick fix. I've never, I have personally never seen a quick fix with a rebel. I've always seen it's a process. I know it was a process for me. Remember I told you I made that list when I had to get right with God. It was a page and a half, and it was a process of working through that. Love, what? Suffers long. Love, what? Bears all things. Love never fails. That's long term. Honey, I'm with you. It's going to take some time, but we're going to get through this. We're going to get you back to where you need to be. I'll be with you all the way. There's some people you need to go to. There's some things you need to make right. But I'm with you. We can do this. I want to close by saying this. Remember we started out? No. No guarantees. General principles. But everyone has their own free will. But some children will play the prodigal before they repent. Now, is this something you want to see your sons and daughters do? Absolutely not. Whatever I could do to keep my son or daughter from going down this path, God help me do it. But they're just some kids. I'm telling you, they're just bullheaded. Like some of you. Some of them just, what, my, my wife called it the University of Hard Knocks. Too bad. Too bad, so sad. Time wasted, life wasted. But some will play the prodigal. If you're not familiar with the prodigal son, here's the prodigal going to his father, demanding his inheritance. Of course, he had a brother that was a wonderful son. Faithful to his father, served his father, was there under the authority of his father. Now, here's something you need to understand. 
Who does this father represent in Scripture? God. This man, you couldn't get a better father than that. He represents God. But can I tell you something? God has a lot of rebellious kids. He's got a lot of good kids, but God's got a lot of rebellious ones too. So this father did everything he could do to try to convince this son to stay under authority and to stay home. But the son was stubborn. Remember that word, stubborn? And he went and he left. And boy, was he having a time of it. Yes or no? Sin has pleasure for us. Boy, when he first took off, he was like, yes. I knew it was going to be like this. Wine, women, song, party. Until everything ran out. The only job he could find was feeding the pigs. And the only food he could eat was what the pigs didn't. Sometimes God will bring you to the very end of yourself. And this is what it took in this young man's life for him to wake up. And to head back home. The thing I love about this story was the constant prayers of the father. The father didn't pursue him, didn't track him down, didn't have him arrested and brought back home. This young man had his own free will and he left. I'm going to tell you something. God thumped him hard. Young people... When you get out from under authority, I'm going to tell you whose authority you'll never get out from underneath, and that's God's. And if you are a child of God and you're not a bastard, God will deal with you. And that dealing can be severe and can stay with you the rest of your life. I've seen children who have grown up in Christian homes that have turned their heart to the Lord. and I mean from the time they're at home, good relationship with their parents, graduation, nothing but blessing. God is just blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. And now I've been around long enough, right? Going on 37 years of being your pastor. I've seen what's happened in the lives of so many. I've seen those who live for God and kept their heart turned toward God, and you look at where they are now, they're in their late 20s or early 30s, and just God is blessing. And then you'll look at others. And you'll see, wow, they're way back here when they could have been right up here. What a setback. 
while this father ran, and I love this picture, ran, embraced his son, loved him back to himself, put on him a robe, put a ring on his finger, we're going to have a feast. For my son that was lost is now what, church? Found. Now, there was one guy who had a problem with that. Who was that? That was the good, the good kid. Can you understand why he had a problem? Yes or no? Man, Dad, I've served you. I've given my heart to you. You never threw a party for me. You never put a robe on me. You never put a ring on my finger. I want to tell you something. When a wayward child comes home, let's throw a party. Amen? Let's just all rejoice together that that son or daughter that was lost is now found. We'll close with this. Young people, don't go here. If you go here, things will not go well for you. It's exactly what the Bible said. Ephesians 6 1. It will not go well with you. But I want to also tell you if you get to this place, you can always go back. Amen? You can always go back. Solomon said, My son, be wise and make my heart glad. pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.